are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. We have a packed show today. We'll be talking about the announcement of the Western Conference All-Star Reserves that came out on Thursday evening, whether or not it was the right call to leave off Carl Anthony Towns from the West roster. Talk kind of generally about some of the guys that made it for the first time, some of the people that maybe shouldn't have made it, and uh, you know, not to get too worked up about the whole um, snubs thing that happens every year, because I do think that gets a little overblown, but it's still fun to talk about. And also, Towns was a relevant snub, if you want to call him that. We're also going to talk about the latest trade rumor revolving around the Wolves. This time it involves a new name, a borderline star who the Wolves have reportedly inquired about and also will be participating in All-Star Weekend. Also wanted to apologize quickly for the lack of a Thursday show. I was a little under the weather on Thursday, so to make up for it, we're going to save the Wolves-Clippers preview for a bonus Saturday show. So make sure to check back on Saturday for that episode. And that brings me to my quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. All right, let's talk All-Star Reserves. So the Western Conference All-Star Starters, and remember, the, the players go into a pool and are then drafted, but they're selected by conference nowadays, um, or they're still selected by conference, and then nowadays distributed via draft. The Western Conference top vote getters were LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Luka Doncic. Hard to get too worked up about that group of five. It seems pretty fair. So the reserves in the West, and remember the reserves are 50%, they're selected by a weighted um, by a weighted vote tally. So 50% fans, 25% media, 25% player vote. The Western Conference reserves are Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Chris Paul, Brandon Ingram, and Russell Westbrook. Pretty good group. Um, a few guys that are there for the first time, um, Gobert, Ingram, uh, Mitchell, I believe, would be a first time uh, as well. Yes, Mitchell's for sure a first time. So those are the three that are first time All-Stars in the West. Um Talk briefly about the East as well here in a minute, but I guess for to put it all out there, their leading vote getters were Giannis, Atentacumpo, Kemba Walker, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. A couple questionable ones there. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the East, but Trey Young, I mean, I get why Trey Young was a fan selection and he's a fan favorite, but he shouldn't be an all star starter. He's not one of the best three guards in the in in the East. Um, Siakam, yeah, arguing can be made. Joel Embiid should not be a starter. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute just because of the relevant, I guess, rivalry between Embiid and Towns. In terms of East reserves, Bam Adebayo made it for the first time. Um, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Tamantas Sabonis, and Jason Tatum. A lot of first-timers there. Um, Sabonis, Tatum, Adebayo, and... Simmons, maybe? No, Simmons made it last year. Um, so six total first-timers, I think three for each conference, if I'm counting that up correctly. And some interesting selections, to be sure. So Towns didn't make it. I was not expecting him to make it. Of course, he did make it each of the last two years. He was a no-brainer two years ago. Last year, I think there was some question because he got out to a slow start but got really hot shortly before the All-Star break and did make it. 
This year, I think he would have made it had it not been for his injury that kept him out longer than I think everybody anticipated and then his illness and um, and all that. So all things considered, he's only played in 30 games total this year out of, I think, a possible 48. Uh, there's some guys who have played in 47, 48 games. Um, so, I mean, it, it makes sense to leave him off. Uh, my only, I guess my only issue would be the only players that I would take exception to in the West making it over towns at this point are Brandon Ingram and Russell Westbrook. You can make an argument for Brandon Ingram. I get the reason why that one bothers me a little bit more is because he's, he's considered a front court player. He's primarily playing the four this year. Um, but if you look at, you know, I mean, he's been scoring and it's certainly been the best year of his career, but the metrics all suggest that he hasn't been as efficient. He hasn't been, um, been that guy. I mean, starting at the four and only averaging six rebounds a game that matters, um, and that that should have held him down a little bit more. Also, defense. His defense has just been okay. He can't guard some of the bigger fours. So I, I think that that should also play into the equation a little bit. Um, even still, playing the four now, being on a team where the offense is running through him more frequently, he has seen his assist rate go up and his turnover rate go down. He's certainly had a very good year. And again, this is part of the problem with arguing about all-star selections is obviously he's been really good. And and this is a little bit of um, splitting hairs here. But um, all that to say, I think the counting stats, the 25 points a game, certainly the 40% from three-point range is great too. But I mean, Towns is 41%. So if we want to play that game, Towns is ahead there too. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, he's he's been the best player on a team that has disappointed and has performed relative to expectations. And that I guess would be the second piece for why I don't understand Ingram over towns completely is because the Pelicans have only been like two and a half games better than the wolves and take out, you know, the games where towns didn't play, I guess. And, and the wolves would be, would be better than that um, would be better than the 19 win Pelicans. So the only real reason that Ingram makes it over towns is, is games played. Ingram's played in 43 games. Towns has played in 30. Ingram's also scored more points per game, but Towns leads in in defensive metrics. He leads in rebounding. He leads in three-point shooting, um, all those things. So all that to say, it's splitting hairs a little bit. It, it Really, if it came down to the two of them, you can certainly make the argument. The NBA did release, uh, NBA PR on the website, NBA.com, did release the actual voting results, which are, are fairly interesting. Um, and I just really want to quickly touch on that. Um, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi all ranked one, two, three, respectively in fan media and player ranking. So that was, that went perfectly. The fans voted for Paul George fourth, fourth, excuse me. The players had Jokic fourth media had Jokic seventh. Anyways. So then like the next three guys all made the all-star team anyways, Jokic, Paul George, Carmelo, I guess Carmelo Anthony didn't make it, but that was a, um, Carmelo Anthony actually was voted fifth by players, fourth by fans, and first by media, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, and then after that, Brandon Ingram. So, I mean, if you want to look at the actual the actual vote totals, Carmelo actually finished ahead of Brandon Ingram, which is in, in all three categories. Or I guess player rank, he was one spot below him. But he beat him in fan rank and media rank. Um, pretty incredible. And then uh, look at... Carl Anthony Towns, he only had 18 total player votes. That's 13th. Players thought he was the 13th best front court player in the West behind Bojan Bogdanovic. Bogdanovic got more votes than Carl Anthony Towns. 
just ahead of Montrez Harrell, which is fair. Harrell's been really good. Also behind the likes of Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert, who did make the team. Chris Epps, Porzingis was ahead of Towns in, um, in player rank and fan rank. Neither Towns or Porzingis got any media votes this year for making the all-star team. So I think I think ending up behind Bogdanovich in player votes, also behind LaMarcus Aldridge, that's another one, um, was certainly frustrating. He only beat out Jaron Jackson Jr. by two votes from the players. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 16 player votes. Carl Anthony Towns had 18 player votes. So certainly disappointing. Um, fan voting-wise, he was ninth in the West, and so barely missed out. And, in, in, you know, fans effectively vote for what I mean basically you're voting for six or six to eight starters in the in the front court in the west and he finished ninth um so the voting totals are close Ingram beat him out actually Towns was ahead of Ingram through the first three returns until the final returns voting wise and so that final push probably helped put Ingram over the edge otherwise Towns would have still had a case in terms of his overall weighted score he still would have been behind Gobert but actually, he would have been ahead of Carmelo Anthony. I misspoke earlier um, in terms of, uh, in terms of. oh no, I'm reading that wrong. He would not have been ahead of Carmelo Anthony. Um, but who knows? At that point, perhaps he would have still been selected over Carmelo, who hasn't played a full season either. So all that to say, hard to really argue about Towns not making the team. But if there's one guy who shouldn't have been on the team in the front court rankings, it would have been Brandon Ingram, um, who... I guess, you know, took, it wasn't team success. It wasn't anything other than a breakout year, outperforming expectations for himself um, in terms of individual expectations. And then also just playing in 13 more games than Towns. I did want to talk about one other player on the West roster who I don't think should have made it. And then also the Towns Embiid thing um, that's coming up next. First, I did want to touch on my bookie real quickly. Are you the type of fan that knows football or basketball so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between the Super Bowl on Sunday and the middle of the NBA and college basketball seasons, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy or gal who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play... You win, you get paid. All right, I did want to make one last point on the all-star selection. The one other player in the West who probably shouldn't have made the team is Russell Westbrook. He did really well in the in the fan and player voting, which is why he made it. But if you look at any any metric this year, he's down pretty far in the ranks of Western Conference players in terms of win shares, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, I mean, he probably isn't in the top, like, 40 in terms of that, but track record and popularity goes a long way when it comes to all-star selection. He, in the West, in terms of front court players, excuse me, backcourt players, Doncic got all 100 media votes. James Harden got 99 of 100. Damian Lillard was the only other player to get a media vote. 
Behind that, that meant that zero other players got media votes. Russell Westbrook was fifth in player voting and fifth, excuse me, in fan voting, which meant he made the all-star team um, and was was actually ahead of both Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, who also made the team and and deserved to make it. So, um, well, actually, sorry, Devin Booker did not make it. Devin Booker had certainly had an argument to make it, but he was leapfrogged by Chris Paul, um, who did make the team despite finishing 11th in fan voting, 9th in player voting, and not getting any in any media votes. So um, there's some question marks there. You know, it's hard to leave Booker off, but I, I get putting Chris Paul in the game completely. Um, and I also obviously get uh, Donovan Mitchell being in the game and Damian Lillard, of course. The, the Westbrook thing is a little bit hard to swallow, but also not surprising um, given his prominence and, and, you know, he's won an MVP and the triple-double record and everything, you know, the track record matters. And so finishing fifth in van, fan voting and fifth in player voting matters, and that's why he finished as an all-star. The, the one point I wanted to make about Embiid is that uh, he was voted as a starter in the East. He simply hasn't been as good as Towns this year, and he hasn't played in more games than Towns. In fact, I think he's actually, I think he's played in a couple more games, but that's it. Um, so it's it's difficult to see him in the All-Star game and Towns not, given their their rivalry. And let's see, Towns has played in 30 games, and Embiid has played in 33 games. Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit frustrating that Embiid made it. Um, if we look at the Eastern Conference front court voting, Embiid was second in player voting and second in media voting, so he would have made it even if the fans hadn't voted him in. He was third in fan voting behind Pascal Siakam. Um, so Embiid still got the support from the media and the players, even though the metrics would suggest that he's essentially had an equal season, arguably slightly worse than Carl Anthony Towns. Um, but of course, his team is winning, and, and that certainly counts in this equation and, and it's hard to fault people for that but it's not like he's having a significantly better year than towns it's just that wins matter surrounding talent matters and the perception um matters too track record matters playing more in the playoffs all those things factor into the equation for sure um so i guess congrats to Embiid for making the all-star team and also the the takeaway towns finishing ninth in fan voting Towns clearly was liked more by the fans than the media or the players, and that kind of jives with some of the concern about um, Towns' true impact on winning. I, I don't really buy into that that argument against Towns because I think that he he clearly has an impact on winning, even though they've lost like 14 games in a row with him in the lineup. It's impossible to argue that the Wolves would be better without Towns or that Towns isn't one of the best, you know, at least 20 players in the game, um, although these all-star rosters suggest that he's not. So... Um, we'll see. I, I would imagine Towns has a monster second half of the year. He's done that the last couple of years, come on really strong in the second half. And if he can do that and the Wolves can can stop these massive losing streaks and remain somewhat relevant down the stretch, then I think the perception of Towns will be much different heading into next season. All right, let's talk a little bit about this Aaron Gordon rumor, um, which if you hadn't heard, there's the breaking news for you. This came out on Thursday morning, I think it was, or it was late Wednesday or early Thursday, was from Kevin O'Connor at TheRinger.com, who suggested that the Timberwolves, or I guess said that the Timberwolves, reached out about Aaron Gordon earlier in the season. Um, He just said during the season they inquired with Orlando about Aaron Gordon and didn't know what they offered, but also said that the Wolves are known to be shopping Robert Covington, which we have known that he's available. I don't know if they're shopping him per se. I think that they're probably just seeing what they can get. Again, I'll go back to what I've said time and time again on the show. It's 
I don't think Covington gets traded. I do think they're having plenty of conversations. I think they're trying to see what's out there and what teams are bidding to get Covington. It's not like his trade value is going to go away this summer or even before the deadline next year. It perhaps could be even higher because he'll be in an expiring contract. I, I get that he's on an affordable contract, but depending on who the teams are that are bidding, it's not like his value is going to go down. Um, he didn't play that great to start the season anyways, and so the Wolves have been waiting as he hopefully increases his value and the bidding war increases and gets more intense as we're now within a week of the deadline. Um, the Magic wouldn't have a ton of use for Covington, I don't think, um, and so it, I think very likely there could be a third team involved if this were to happen. Um, granted, Orlando, I mean, they're in the conversation for a playoff spot in the Western Conference, but they're 21 and 27, um, and so it, that that makes this less less urgent. Um, I mean, they're seventh in the West, they're 21 and 27. So coming, they're clearly looking to improve their team. Um, but they're still like nine games behind the sixth spot. So at this stage, it's them and Brooklyn and Chicago that are really battling for the last two spots. And they're all woefully, they're all far under 500. Um, the Wolves would only be like three games out in the Eastern conference. So, uh, obviously Covington would help Orlando, but I don't know if that's a move that makes a ton of sense for them. And it's also difficult from a salary perspective. Um, let's get into that here more in a moment. And I have a proposed three-team deal that could, if the Wolves wanted to do this, end up with end up having Aaron Gordon in Minnesota and Robert Covington elsewhere. We'll get to that next. Okay, so to be clear, this proposed Aaron Gordon trade is not me saying that I would make this trade or that I would trade for Aaron Gordon, but... It is coming from the rumor that the Wolves are interested in Aaron Gordon or have been interested in him and that Covington is available. And there are other teams that wants Covington. And also the rumors that teams like, for instance, the Los Angeles Lakers covet Robert Covington but simply don't have the assets to acquire him. We've talked about this at length on the show. A Kyle Kuzma and Quinn Cook deal is not going to get it done in exchange for, even if you throw in a pick, um, is not going to get it done for Robert Covington. There just isn't enough upside there for the Wolves to be motivated to make that deal. However, if they were still interested, if the Wolves were really interested in Aaron Gordon, there is a way that this could work. Um, if the Wolves wanted to trade Covington for Gordon as close to straight up as possible, they would have to take back um, the salary. It would be really difficult to match the salaries, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. It would be some combination of... Um, the Wolves would need to send some salary with Covington to match Gordon. So they'd need to include something like Noah Vonley and Jordan Bell, something like that. Um, which, do the, would the Magic do that? I don't know. Is that something the Magic really want to do to to trade Gordon? Do the Wolves want to trade Covington, a pick, Vonley, Bell, all for Aaron Gordon? And then do the Magic want to get rid of Aaron Gordon for that return? being 21 and 27 this year and Covington might help them win a little bit more now and might help them get a seven or eight seed. But is that really what they want to do? More likely, I think, is a three-team trade. And I wrote about this at Dunking with Wolves on Thursday. But the Wolves would be acquiring, um, in this proposed deal for me, to be clear, this is not an actual rumor, but piecing together the Lakers rumor, the Covington rumor, and the Aaron Gordon rumor, this all works from a salary perspective. The Wolves could acquire Aaron Gordon and Quinn Cook, Gordon coming from the Magic, Cook coming from the Lakers, the Magic would receive Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers to Marcus Cousins' expiring deal. Remember, he's out for the year from the Lakers. And Gorgie Jang from the Timberwolves. The Lakers would get Covington and Vonley from the Wolves. This makes sense for everybody. There'd also be, likely there'd be a pick involved um, going to the Magic, more likely than not. And probably from the Wolves. So the Wolves would ultimately be trading Covington, Vonley, and Gorgie Jang and a pick, probably a first-round pick, to get Aaron Gordon and Quinn Cook. The Magic would be getting a pick 
they'd be getting Kyle Kuzma, who's still affordable and has upside, an expiring deal in Cousins, and then Gorgie Jang, who could be flipped later or he expires after next year and provides front court depth for a team that, again, is trying to make the playoffs. And Kuzma's not a massive drop-off from Gordon. Um, he's a drop-off and certainly a little bit of a different player, but not massive. The Lakers get their 3 and D guy in Cummings in. Um, they've been willing to trade Kuzma. Covington's essentially a better version of Kuzma at this point. Um, he's a better defender. He's a better, more consistent, better shooter, um, and less of a high usage guy. He doesn't need the ball in his hands as much as Kuzma demands. And Vonley is a valuable front court depth player for them. They're a little bit, they've been banged up. They're a little bit thin there. Um, and they gain some depth there for the Wolves. There's upside to Aaron Gordon, um, in terms of the fit, I think it's important to talk about it on its face. It doesn't seem like Gordon and Towns fit together super well because they're both high usage guys. They play next to each other on the court. Um, Gordon's not a great outside shooter, um, but I think that it could work. And again, I'm not necessarily advocating for this trade. I don't think I would do this, um, but I also don't think I'd be super upset if the Wolves, if the Wolves took this step, given just it, in some ways it would be a little bit of an overreaction to these losing streaks, but it would certainly shake things up. The problem with Gordon isn't that he isn't that the Wolves would have two star big men or um, close to star big men in Towns and Gordon and no star guards. It would be because I think there's a natural shift towards, oh, well, you need a star guard to pair with your star big man. The issue is that Gordon's shooting 28.6% from three and that he's a high usage guy. He wants the ball in his hands and hasn't been super efficient. He's a 66% free throw shooter this year. However, the counterpoint there is he's actually a pretty good playmaker with the ball in his hands. He can be a decent distributor um, depending on how he's used. And his numbers have gone down this year more because of the team and the offense than anything else. He's attempting less shots. He's attempting less three-pointers. He's getting to the free throw line less often. All of his numbers are down a little bit across the board, but he's only 24 years old. Last year, he shot just a hair under 35% from three, which is good. I mean, that would work in this offense. He shot 73% from the free throw line. Those numbers are down significantly this year. You look at his career numbers, 31.7 from beyond the arc, 70% from the free throw line. Those, those will play decently in the Wolves offense. Not perfectly, but decently. <clears throat> Having Gordon and Towns both able to create on the perimeter, both, you know, either one of those guys could play in the five out system and at least have somewhat of a three point threat. You know, imagine Gordon with the ball, Towns diving to the rim, vice versa, Towns popping out beyond the arc. There's certainly some some intriguing possibilities there, some uh, double, you know, playing the pick and roll with two big men. You could certainly do that. Um, it's not entirely synergistic. Ideally, the four that you're pairing with Towns is either an outstanding defender or somebody who can also hit threes, and Gordon really doesn't do either one of those things. Um, but the playmaking ability would then make Andrew Wiggins more expendable. The Wolves could look to move Andrew Wiggins. I'm not suggesting that that Gordon should be playing the three because I think the four is his best position. He played a lot of three early in his career, and I think that was a mistake. But it would make Andrew Wiggins more expendable from a from a um, high-usage playmaking perspective. There'd be less of a need to have Andrew Wiggins playmaking on the floor for the Wolves. Um, and so they could look to move him this summer or in a different deal later on. So to put a bow on that, I, I don't think a trade happens for Aaron Gordon. I think this was probably more likely than not. It was just a brief inquiry at some point this season that the Wolves made. O'Connor doesn't suggest that it's anything imminent or anything that happened within the last few days or anything like that. But I think it's an intriguing possibility to add another dynamic player to the Wolves, another potential second superstar. And it's it's something intriguing to, to kind of keep an eye on. Um, but again, don't expect it to happen. And I still don't expect Robert Covington to be traded, although it's certainly possible it happens six days out 
prior to the deadline. So um, all something to keep an eye on. As a reminder, we will have a show on Saturday, um, a bonus show, as we did not have one Thursday. We'll preview the Wolves-Clippers game Saturday and talk a little bit as well about what's upcoming next week since the Wolves have been now off for four days. And we'll also talk about any trade news that crops up in the next 24 hours because um, within six days of the deadline, that's certainly possible that that happens. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.